Hello there, and welcome to the Adult Cannabis Enthusiast Podcast, where we have mature conversations about cannabis and pop culture. If you want to check us out on social media, we are currently available on Twitter and Instagram at ACannabisPod. Joel runs the Twitter and I run the Instagram, and we have a lot of fun on there. Um, please check us out. Give us a follow if you'd like. Um, if you want to check us out on uh, another platform, we are currently available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Podcast Addicts. My name's Cam. I've been smoking weed for a little over two years now. And my name's Joel, and I've been smoking weed for over 25 years and that gap is just horrifying to me every time we hear it we got to redo that intro i think <laughs> yeah well over 10 times the amount of- <laughs> over 10 times the amount. i'm like that just makes me sound awful uh, welcome to the show this week folks we are here recording episode number 54 of the adult cannabis enthusiast podcast uh, cam and i are really stoked to talk to you today about our subject what we decided to go with this week is legal cannabis contrarians. I was trying to come up with a real catchy name uh, or something to talk about or way to title this subject. And I feel like legal cannabis contrarians is maybe the most diplomatic way that I can put it, ACAM. Yeah, and it it also helps that there's a little bit of alliteration there. So yeah. it's it's nice. I like yeah, a li- I think I like, you did a good job. I like alliteration. It it makes things flow nicely and sound kind of fancy. But it's important. Uh, it seemed like a really good topic, something that that I don't know. My buttons have been pushed the entire time we've been kind of interacting with the community on social media. And I don't necessarily think that we've had this in our own personal interactions, but I see this a lot with other people. And what I'm talking about here is the internet reply people who are always like, legal weed sucks. Legal weed's the worst. Legal weed's awful. Fuck that corporate weed. And it's like, holy shit, can we please pump the brakes and have a conversation before we dive into this? Because there is, I think there's not to completely dismiss the folks who have these opinions, because I think where it's coming from, there is some validity and we'll get into that a little bit, but realistically, it's hard for me to accept really myopic stances and really basic stances without more. And I get when you're talking about a Twitter reply and people are just like, legal weed sucks, LOL, right? Some people might be just trolling. Some might people want just might be dickheads. It's not always going to be the case, but let's just talk about it for a sec. Let's talk about why people think that legal weed sucks and where they may be right and maybe where they're wrong. Because there's something to it. There's a reason why people have this very visceral and strong reaction to legal cannabis since legalization in Canada. And I just feel like there's some room for us to talk about that this week. So... Before we really kind of get into it, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we, we've uh, recorded. We took a bit of a week off to get a bit of a recharge. Uh, little did we know that the world would also go insane that same week. Yeah. Uh, but hey, we had uh, lots of great cannabis to get us through it. So what was on your rolling tray the past couple of weeks, my friend? There's been quite a bit as well as a new accessory in my life. It feels, Ooh, yeah. yeah, it's exciting, right? Um what I've been smoking over the last few weeks is still kind of some leftovers from my uh, Boxing Day order. Oh, actually, not my Boxing Day order. Let me correct that. Um, leftovers from my Black Friday order. And uh, so over the last couple of weeks, I've been smoking some Sage and Sour by the MTL Cannabis crew. And uh, we got that from Camart. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, very nice. Very nice. And uh, as well as I finished off my original batch of caviar, finally, I had one last like monster nug left in my caviar 
jar. And uh, since I just re-upped with another jar on Boxing Day, I, I felt like it was okay for me to finish off that last one. And I, I cannot pump the tires on that strain enough, I don't think. <laughs> I'm going to fucking pop them. I'm going to pump them so much. They're so good. I really like it too, man. So you know, I don't yeah. necessarily think you're off on this one. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, but uh, so... so Everyone's heard my thoughts on the caviar. So what I want to talk about is my new accessory, the Bud Cups. And I did buy them for you as well, my friend. And and I did pick them up as well for a close friend of mine, Spencer. And uh, what these Bud Cups are, are they're small canisters for your cannabis and they fit directly into the PAX oven. Um, That's really been my only complaint with my PAX 3 so far in the usage is that I didn't have any kind of canister or capsule to put my weed in. I felt like my my packs was just getting a little bit extra dirty because there was just extra plant matter in there all the time. And I was so used to just loading up these capsules on my previous vaporizer and popping them in and everything was just kept clean and tidy all the time. Um, so it was something that I was really missing. So what I set out for was just to try and find some kind of capsule for the packs. And unfortunately packs doesn't produce them themselves, but I did find this company that's out of the United States called bud cups. And they have a few different versions of these cups, or they've at least, uh, improved upon their original versions a couple times now and uh man i have to say i've really enjoyed them um what have what have your thoughts been so far joel i've been impressed really too and thank you very much for the uh christmas gift how did you know to get me something that was weed related (laughs) (laughs) i had a i I had a hunch you you had an an inkling uh yeah i intercepted your letter to santa yes yes Uh, although a few of those left my house this year um (laughs) i was really impressed with these butt cups i've never been someone who's had the experience of using these capsules with my vaporizer so i've seen you do it uh i've seen a couple of our uh twitter friends using it as well Uh, catnip and 420 investing have been using that with different vaporizers and I've always been like intrigued by it because it seems interesting to me. Uh, so knowing your complaints about the packs getting dirty, requiring cleaning and, and uh, your oven kind of getting a little bit gunked up. I'm very familiar with that. So uh, <laughs> the idea of this was kind of intriguing to me. So uh, I tried it out like literally the like, you know, as soon as I got off work the day that you had dropped it off and uh, it worked really well. I, I found that uh, I, I got it all packed in. Uh, it improved a, the airflow a little bit um, when you're hooting on it. And it made sure it's it's clean. I usually have to clean my packs every three days and uh, it's still going strong without it right now. Now, I think you're still going to have to clean your capsules, but it's the same kind of idea. Just soak them in a bit of ISO and it's probably not that, uh, that, that tough to get it clean. The one thing I will say is that it's going to take me a bit of time to get efficient at loading those capsules up. Like I've just got to find a method that works for me really well. Okay. Because like, I'm sure, like you've had some practice with it. So you've probably got like a bit of a system down. Whereas as a PAX user for over four years now, I've had a system for like loading my shit up, right? Like I've, I've kind of honed it in and now I've, I've been taking myself out of my wheelhouse where I actually have to think about how I'm loading my bowls. Uh, but the fact that I can have three bowls prepped at a time is more than making up for that. So uh, really enjoying it. Functional product. I'd recommend it uh, to people because I, I quite like it. And it's uh, a good way to add a bonus feature to the PAX. Uh, that's aside from the PAX's amazing performance, I think maybe one of the few downsides to it is that they don't actually produce a ton of accessories, but there's a fuck ton of aftermarket stuff out there if you just have a quick Google. Yeah, I, I have very similar thoughts on this product as well. I thought that the airflow was great. Um, when I when I dump the weed out of the capsule too, it looks like everything is somewhat evenly vaped too, you know? Like mm-hmm. uh, for me, I don't know if you're the same, but with, with my packs, when I would finish my, my, uh, my session with it, there was the portion of the weed that was on the bottom 
of the uh, the oven or I guess the top really um, it it's still a little bit of green yeah. to me most of the time but with this capsule it was basically evenly evenly cooked which was really nice that's a good um, the, point I noticed that too and I didn't I didn't think about that yeah. yeah well and then um like you said the airflow is is great it fits really snug in the oven so um i know that some people have had concerns in the past being like okay well the the pax is a convection oven so how does it work if it's not if the the, the weed's not touching the the walls but right. this this capsule fits in there quite snug and um the manufacturer only only uh, suggests turning up 10 extra degrees on your packs in order for for it to get uh, heated the way that you want it to or you would regularly have it heated um it comes with a little tool to take it out of the packs too because it does fit quite snug in there and once some oil gets in there it kind of sticks a you little not do that with your hand on its own you got to have that tool <laughs> yeah you got to have a tool i have had some success kind of like knocking it out like just bumping it on my hand but it, it sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't you know um, well, I, I had to do that myself because I, I popped the cap off of oh, the, yeah. the capsule yeah. off like because I just I left it in overnight and it got a little cooled down and I, yeah it was uh but I, I got it I eventually was able to pull it out but. yeah I, that's something that I've discovered as well with these is that it's it's easier to take them out right away yeah. than it is to like leave them a little bit because I think that the oil just solidifies a little bit and it sticks sticky yeah, exactly. But anyways, I'm absolutely floored with these products. I would recommend them to any PAX user, or PAX 2 or 3 user. The the capsules fit in both ovens. Um, the price point was a, was a little expensive. I think for, for three cups, it's like, like just a, a little under 20 bucks or something mm -hmm. like that. I got their complete kit that came with a little uh, tin of six, and they all had like their own little um, little uh, foam insert spot for them with this nice little this nice little tin case. I'm really happy with that as well. They have, uh, you were saying that you have some issues with the, the loading of them. They actually sell a loader where you can like load up like a dozen at once or something like that. Wow. <laughs> um, or maybe not a dozen. I could be, I could be wrong. Maybe probably like six or something. Anyways, I was, I was really happy with this product. Um, but enough about the bud cups, Joel, what did, what did you smoke over the last couple of weeks? My friend, man, uh, I've been smoking a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, uh, a couple, uh, because we decided to take a break. It kind of threw off our review schedule a little bit so there were a couple strains that i ended up burning through that we were considering for review but uh, ultimately um ended up passing on what we're going to be doing actually talking about this week for a review is the Organicraft cherry punch so that that's mm. going to be coming up at uh, the end of the episode today uh, but what i was hitting up was a bit of that sage and sour that you were too because we were we were looking at reviewing that uh, unfortunately with that one I, I dipped into that a little bit too much pre-xmas so there really wasn't a lot left so i think we maybe uh, i will re-up when we're going to cover that one in the future uh and, and a bit of the powder donuts from our friends at uh at uh, habitat the, the cake and caviar powder donuts were were one that i uh, enjoyed uh, i'm not sure that i would necessarily revisit because they have some other products that are a little bit more in my alley like you said that caviar is just really really fantastic so um uh, that's that's basically what i've been hitting up primarily those ones and then that that cherry punch from organicraft that we're talking about uh on the episode this week. The other thing that I wanted to mention before we kind of roll into our uh, meat and potatoes of our episode is a little fun thing that we got to do last night. Yes, we got to join the High on Homegrown podcast for our first ever interview. Yes, uh, new experience for us actually getting to go and get interviewed ourselves, but uh, I, I don't necessarily know that an interview is maybe the right way to categorize it. I feel like we just walked into a session and met some pretty fucking cool people. 
Yeah, I had an absolute blast with those guys. They're fucking hilarious. They're they're very like minded individuals to us. So I'm I'm not surprised that we got along so well. <laughs> it was a great chat. Like I expected to kind of hang out for half an hour, forty five minutes, and and we talked for like an hour and a half, hour forty five, just shooting the shit and smoking and having a good time. Yeah, it was really cool to to connect with uh, some people from different countries, cannabis consumers from all over the place, and just have fun chats about stuff. And yeah, really amazing. So high on high on homegrown and just invited us on their show to do uh, a quick interview. Uh, we're going to be on their episode that's airing on January seventeenth. So uh, that's the Sunday after this episode is airing. So hopefully you guys will go and check that out if you are into our podcasts and you're into growing. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. These guys have a fucking shit ton of knowledge uh, and it was really cool to getting to pick their brains a little bit when we were chatting the other day yeah yeah and uh they operate off of this online growers forum called percy's grow room online i actually just subscribed to it last night joined up and uh there's a wealth of knowledge on there for any um new or experienced cannabis growers if you're looking to uh you know help out or maybe learn something i can't recommend checking out that website enough uh percy's uh, tons of information on there and uh the people on there are great uh i joined last night put up my first post and I already had a bunch of people reaching out to me, giving me kudos and and some tips and stuff. So it's uh, it's a great community on there. It seems like it so far. So uh, yeah, definitely check out their podcast, High on Homegrown, and their website, Percy's Grow Room. Yeah, big shout out to all those fellows and, and a thanks to uh, Mackie for extending the invitation originally. Uh, really stoked and we hope you guys check it out. But I think uh, maybe now is the time to start talking about our subject this week. Let's Legal- get it. Cannabis Contrarians. So proud of that title. <laughs> it's a good title. It is. It, it's all right. It's all right. I, I'm 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 over proud about it for some reason. I'm not sure about, but it, it's something that I think I wanted to talk about for a long time because I felt really strongly that the only way that we are going to make legal cannabis work is if we participate, and if all we do is sit on the sidelines and talk shit and badmouth. We are never going to make any progress and we are never going to make any improvements. So it's really hard for me to accept like those one line responses to be like, LOL, why you buy legal weed, bruh? Yeah. Like, no, it, I, I completely hear you. Yeah. You, because... you see that all the time when people throw stuff up online. They're like, oh man, how can I can't believe I got burned by this dusty fucking shit. Yeah. Well, and sometimes you even see it when someone gives a positive review, though. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, you must be the LP's like corporate stooge or something like that. Or who's cutting your check? It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like these Internet reviewers and podcasters, we're not getting bank from anybody to doing this. People are offering what's essentially a public service because we know that in the community, there's a chance that if you're buying legal cannabis that you can get burned and uh, at least from our perspective, we want to direct people to the stuff that's not going to burn them and ignore exactly. the shit, ignore the shit that isn't. But yeah, we're trying to vet it a little bit so that uh, consumers out there know where their dollars are going to be best spent on the legal cannabis market. You know, and there's so many other reviewers out there who do a similar job to us or a similar perform a similar job to us yes and and i would argue that do it much better than we do i think we, yeah. we, we we do it in a very um accessible sense meant for people that are new to the kind of kind of the community and and checking stuff out in a real way i think people do a good job of drilling down scientific reviews on other aspects of social media and that's that's really useful but 
it's all part of having a conversation. And if all we're saying in our conversation is this sucks, we're never going to get any better. We're going to st- be stuck with things sucking. And I think if you hold up a lens to the legal cannabis market in Canada in January 2021 and compare it to October of 2018, we are not comparing apples and oranges. No, no, not at all. There's been positive progression in a lot of areas of the the legal Canadian cannabis market. And to hold that same stance, it just seems a bit, um, I hesitate to use the word ignorant because that sounds harsh, but sometimes it feels like that, you know? Basic. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because yeah, there has been positive steps made in the in the legal cannabis uh, space. So to uh, to turn your turn your head against that and and not take that into account is a little bit silly, in my opinion. Well, I just think it maybe comes from a misguided place because I think there's been this mythologizing of the black market or the gray market or the legacy market, whatever you want to call it. People have this romanticized perception that these dealers and people that were involved in the community were all white knights out there doing the good, fighting the good fight for the cannabis community, right? Those people exist, but that's not necessarily the entirety of the black market. I know that it's not that simple and that direct. You know what I mean? Like there, there's so much bullshit that gets ignored and looked upon with roads colored glasses. Like, how did you know that the weed that you bought from your guy was what he said he was? Right. I mean, I know that's not an experience you had because you've only been consuming since legalization, but how did you know, how would you necessarily know what that you got right with legal mm-hmm. cannabis? There's a measure of uh, testing, a regulation of something that has to be, presented in a specific way when you're just going to buy from your guy he can sell you whatever the fuck that he wants there's countless amount of times that i was just told that something was some kind of kush like bullshit man it doesn't smell like <laughs> fucking kush. <laughs> sounds like the buzzword that you're just telling everybody well no and that was that and, and you're absolutely right that, that was the time when everything was kind of called kush and kush the was kush the craze the kush craze yeah. that was the thing but uh, at the same time i don't necessarily think we can dismiss these people who have this perspective because it's rooted in in an element of of truth and validity because when cannabis started at legalization in canada there was a bunch of fucking garbage out there yeah there still is a lot of garbage well did you see that um apparently in ontario there's like over 200 skews or something that they're gonna designate as unsellable or unsaleable. Yeah, that's that's fucking wild. I wonder like I want to know what those SKUs are. So hopefully they release <laughs> they release a list. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny to see like what's been sitting around for years in their stocks, you know? Because there's I, I guarantee there's a lot of companies on there that don't even exist anymore. Don't even exist or or maybe lost their license and then regained it or or something like that. I mean it's just uh, yeah. Like I would like to see that list of products as well. But when you see things like that, right, that lends some credibility to there being shitty cannabis on, on the flip side of it. And I know that this doesn't necessarily tie into our conversation that we're talking about today, so I won't really go here, but it helps feed that stereotype that there's uh, an oversupply of cannabis in Canada. Like, yes, there's an oversupply of cannabis, but there's an oversupply of cannabis that doesn't sell. There's an undersupply of good shit that people want to buy. Exactly. And 
the degrees in in uh, quality are are so different at at those two levels. You know, like the the shit weed that's been fucking sitting around for like a year and a half, or that's been already irradiated in a shit container. Like, you know, it wasn't grown with any kind of pride. It was just grown on some like fucking massive crop scale. And then there's the micro cultivators. You know, like those those two types of weed are completely different, and you kind of have to look at it all. You can't just say that the shit weed is the the poster boy for all legal weed yes because maybe in october 2018 you could but now you can't because i will gladly put stuff from north 40 or gnome starcraft or dun cannabis or habitat up against stuff in the legacy market right now happily yeah unfortunately that's not really something that i'm that I'm able to draw a comparison to, you know, just because I, I never purchased anything from the legacy or the black market in my, in my life, you know, so it's hard for me to draw those comparisons, but I, I will say that once I got a higher quality of weed after my first home grow and uh, after I first got my, my first gauge product and simply bear product, there was a fucking noticeable difference between what I was buying previously and what, that weed was you know so uh, i i know maybe to like an extent but i don't know exactly what the legacy market was like but i i have had my own realization that yeah what we were given at the in the early stages of legalization was complete trash and i shouldn't be aiming to be smoking that stuff in any capacity so i i think that kind of ties into those two things too right people have this romanticized look of the black market right and are are remembering things fondly right like it wasn't always that you got the amazing quads right everyone's like oh i got quads for 75 bucks i got an ounce of quads or some bullshit you did i mean maybe you did once maybe you got a you had a friend who grew and you got hooked up on a friend deal or something like that but i i think all across the board uh pricing is one aspect that i think we'll get into but we've kind of looked over that aspect of what you're getting from the black market in a way that it's not always the quality that it that you think that it was it's not necessarily what your guy was saying and there's no way to do any kind of verification and it wasn't always the top shelf shit we always remember the top shelf shit and we like to forget the times that we got burned or ripped off or like i mentioned on a previous episode my friend who bought fucking cedar off a guy on the street one time <laughs> in montreal <laughs> so, cedar yeah. oh man that was a great time but um I think what you're talking about with that dry shit that was there in the beginning compared to, you know, having the chance to try your own and having that like realization and getting to try some um, better quality products, right? Cannabis that was grown a little bit better. Uh, Simply Bears maybe a bit of its own side story because I'm seeing some not so positive shit in the uh, social media lately about their products, but um, hopefully they'll, they'll maybe pull up out of that nosedive a little bit, but I think growing your own cannabis is one real is maybe the probably the best way to have that comparison to the legacy market without having that experience because you're getting that fresh experience. And that was the biggest thing for me in the beginning was the dryness of it Uh, because I went from an abrupt switch from a really, really great, reliable situation. Um, I was one of those like ideal customers because I would just go and grab like an ounce a month and, you know, be done with it because um, I don't want to, you know, have to deal with that shit as a grown adult man with a job and a family uh to deal like finding ways to acquire my cannabis so like legalization was a simple improvement but to go from that high quality um fresh weed to that really dry dusty shit in the beginning like i get why people had that opinion 
but things have improved. Things have changed. We are making strides. And I think that first impression is really lingering with a lot of those people. And when you have that perception of what's available out there, and then you look at the price that they're asking, I think that makes a pretty big barrier too to even want to put your foot there. Yeah, because not only are you buying something that objectively you may not want to smoke you've paid a premium price for it a lot of times like how many times have you bought something for 30 bucks for an eighth and then looked at the buds and they're they they turn to dust in your fingertips when you take them out of the jar you know like that's not a good feeling and i can understand why people resent that when when that's happened to you more than once and on a somewhat consistent basis you're gonna you're going to be pissed. (laughs) But you're you're right. I think you've touched on something that's important and that the only consistent thing is that it's been inconsistent in the sense that you can't rely on pricing as a measure of what you're going to get in the jar. Because some people who are just absolutely fucking nailing the lower cost category, like uh, uh, Redican or Pure Sun Farms, and then you go and pick up a $30 eighth that's all dry and, and dusty as fuck and powder dry, powders in your fingers when you go to bust it up, like you said. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't compute, right? And then how do you want to reach at those higher levels? Because sometimes once you, you need to go to that $40, $50 range to get the really good shit, uh, medical, medical pricing aside, it's it's hard, right? Because you Absolutely. just you just don't know. If I've been burned at, you know, if like, hey, I had a great experience at, 20 bucks, but I got burned at 30. I got burned at 35. Why do I want to go to 40 to 45 or 50? Right. There's, there's some validity about that. And I know that there's a lot of background that goes into pricing. And I feel like we we've kicked this around a bit before on our episode on, on cannabis pricing, but there's also more to give it from the producer's side. There's more that goes into the cost that the consumer sees at the store they're purchasing from than just that amount right like people aren't thinking about all the costs and levels that have had to bring it to the market including going through the provincial uh, gatekeepers whereas when they're comparing it to their black market experience right where a guy grew it and sold it or you know a guy grew it and sold it and then a couple of guys down the chain is who you're getting it from what i what i've also kind of thought about just during this this conversation here is it it, it must also feel shitty for those people to buy one of those $30 uh, eights, you know, get a dry, dusty piece. Like you're already upset by it. But another, another thing about it that is kind of shitty that I just kind of realized is you were probably recommended that by a bud tender too. So like now <laughs> you don't now So now you don't trust the supplier because it's shit. You don't, you probably don't trust the store that he bought it from and you don't trust their employees because they're, they've pitched you this, you know? So there's, there's a lot of um, opportunities to, to break trust with people. And, and so like you've said here, like there's a lot of valid points to the argument. Like I can understand why people get frustrated with this, but obviously like we're talking about here, it's, it's just not that simple. No, there's more to it that that's involved. Right. And it, it's hard to shake those first impressions. I get that first impressions are are big for people Mm -hmm. and maybe you don't want to have to try it yourself but don't shit on people who are like, Hey man, this actually is pretty good because maybe it is actually pretty good. And if your opinion is just simply, well, it's garbage because it's legal. Well then maybe you don't actually fucking know what you're talking about. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and, and things are rarely that simple. You know, they're like, there's, there's so much nuance in everything and, and things are more complicated, uh, especially the legal cannabis market. If there's something that's complicated, it's legal cannabis market. It is. And I mean, and, and <laughs> cannabis, it's funny because you see this debate in, in social media a lot and that cannabis isn't uh, an, an immature market or a new market because it's existed forever. And I mean, there's some truth to that, but the legal space is immature and it's growing and the government regulators are fumbling around trying to figure it out and failing in a lot of cases, which is where we have to step in as a community and help, help them. <laughs> I know they don't really want to fucking listen to us and we've, we've got to find a way to get them to listen and help improve it. I mean, at the very least for patients first, and then we can, we can start fixing um, the rest of it. But we have to work together to get there. And I think the only way to do that is by participating. But I think that's also a challenge for certain subsets of the community that see legal cannabis entirely as being a corporate entity, right? Because cannabis is built on a counterculture movement, right? That's so true. Anti-establishment, anti-authority, fuck the man, we're trying to do our own thing. I think there's a segment of it that will never want it to exist in that legal space because it takes away that um, identity, if that makes sense. I mean, I don't know how much real validity or how many people that covers, but I feel like that there's something to that. There's definitely a segment of the population that that, that exists. For sure. Um, and, and there's a lot of like, I mean, within the cannabis community, there's a lot of like anti-corporate, anti-capitalist kind of sentiment. Mm-hmm. So seeing this, these giant fucking companies basically just butcher a plant that you love, you're very passionate about over and over on giant scales while excluding your friends um, and and fellow community mates um, from having access to gaining profits or even just like making a living off of it. Yeah, there's again, there's going to be there's you're going to be upset. There's a lot of emotion there. Right. Think think about it from the perspective of the activists who have put their blood, sweat, and tears, who have risked jail, criminal records, their livelihoods, their businesses taken away, their their homes taken away, and then to have it turned around and be taken over by the government. Who politicians then, and ex-cops. Yeah, and then handed it over to the ex-cops who all moved out of politician roles and to help them uh, bridge the regulatory gap. And it's like, it's a fucking slap in the face in a lot of senses. So in that regard, I can absolutely see that especially since they we've really shit the bed on figuring out pardons and managing um, people who have criminal records because of cannabis right i mean you know we've equivocally stated our position about no prison for pot and that nobody should go to fucking jail for a plant anywhere and the people who have a record should have it expunged and it's a fucking failure that it hasn't happened so i can I get that aspect of it, but I don't want to burn it all to the fucking ground because we've got, we've cleared that first hurdle, right? Yes. All we had to do was clear that hurdle and I get there's a shitty elements of it, but we can fix those shitty elements. And some of those shitty elements are fixing themselves, right? We're seeing a lot of that corporate uh, structure and cannabis that was designed to pump and dump the stock market just completely fucking fail at the operational level. Yeah, just see what's happening with all these big companies. They're all recording massive deficits. It's pretty fucking crazy to see, especially because there was that huge gold rush. Everyone was like, for lack of a better term, basically coming in their pants over this (laughs) and blew their loads all over themselves. And 
it's it's kind of like fallen on their face now. You know, like these micro cultivators are coming in and taking market share away from all these big companies, big time. I'm and, uh, I'm uncomfortable with your bukkake analogy here. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I I I I will refrain from that in the future. <laughs> But I, I think I think I think it's 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 just a challenge because we have a, a diverse community who doesn't necessarily like like order and, and regulation, and we have to navigate the the government entity who wants to um, be our parent and hold our hands and walk us through this because they don't trust us. Where we in the community are like, we've been doing this our whole fucking lives, bro. Like, like give us give us a little bit of slack and let us help you get there. And um, I hope if if you had the willingness. To participate in the uh, the government's um, call out for for um, regulatory information, they were accepting stuff more than just what they were asking for. So, um, hopefully, people are listening. But we'll see it. But I I, I get that anti corporate stance and that the the position of the activists. I just think that now that we've cleared that one hurdle, let's fix it and um, let's do our best to support the small guys and the micro cultivators who are working hard to give us quality medicine. The pricing is going to get there eventually, but we still got to participate. And I get it. Not everyone can. And if you can't afford it, fair. You got to do what's best for you, man. Take care of yourself and your medicine the way you need to. I get that. But it's a difference between taking care of yourself and just shitting on everything else. Uh, I feel like I'm privileged enough that I can't afford legal cannabis in a measured approach or a strategic approach, right? I, I can't afford, I have to be careful about what I'm purchasing and I have to be smart about how I do it economically, but I feel like confident enough that I can participate in that market. And, well, and we've gained enough experience that we know where to put our dollars too. Yes. So like it, it takes a lot of the, the stress and a lot of the guessing out of it. It does. And that's why part of the reason of what we like to do with the show and wanting to share that with, with our friends in the community. Right. And, um, that's that's sort of the goal is so that you guys don't get burned and then we can just have a market where we know that the shit is going to be good and it's going to take some time to get there but we will get there um no, but the participation is is paramount right like what yes. you said um the participation is huge um but there yeah, are barriers of, there are barriers yeah. to that i guess is well, what i was trying to acknowledge yeah and but but you still need to well you maybe don't need to participate but i would encourage people to to participate because it's only going to get better. Nothing is perfect off the get go. Everything takes time. You know, like it's going to take time for people to change their opinions on cannabis and even cannabis users. It's going to take time for this market to kind of figure itself out. It's going to take time for these people who don't have the giant piles of money to finally get their feet into the door to start providing quality cannabis and turn this crap corporate weed around, you know, and we're starting to see it and we're making positive momentum where there is positive momentum in this community um, for, for patients and, and for, for quality of cannabis, you know, so um, the, the more participation from the, the, the black market community and the legacy market, the better in my opinion. And honestly, some of these, these newer, uh, cultivators like Organicraft that we're going to talk about today and like Dunn Cannabis that we've talked about previously, they've mm -hmm. come from the legacy market. They're bringing their expertise, you know, they're, it they can be done. It can, it be, can done. be done. And and I'm sure they have had similar thoughts to a lot of these people who are, who are having these arguments of, of all legal cannabis is garbage. You know, I'm sure they've had similar thoughts, but at the end of the day, they're willing to put in the work and make it work in some kind of capacity for themselves because they want to bring that expertise. They want to bring that passion to the community and, and, and to this 
a market, you know? So yeah, I, if, if they're all doing it, I, I'm sure there's there's room for other people to get into it as well. I, I want people to participate in this. I want people to bring ideas and and stuff, you know. So, um, yeah, I I can't agree more about the participation piece because there are good people out there that are participating, that are trying to tr- trudge forward and and bring the medical patients with them and 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 battle through all this bullshit to bring a, a better quality of of product to the market and and fix the regulations out there, you know. So, um. I'm sure there's a large portion of the black market and the legacy market that can have a lot of value, uh, valued con- contributions to this movement. And uh, we kind of want these people to come along with us. Yeah. And I, I'm really happy that you brought that up because I had this kind of written down as a few notes for myself that I wanted to kind of talk about in the sense that there are identifiable people in the community who you can speak to if you are on Twitter or Instagram who have made the jump from legacy to legal. And I'm not just talking about growers, right? There are retailers who have done that as well, right? Like THC in Vancouver and Calix and Tricombs in Kingston, Ontario. Those are both retailers that have transitioned from legacy market work to the legal cannabis space. And again, they will all acknowledge challenges that they've had to face and struggles to get there, but it can be done if you have the desire to do so. So it doesn't just have to be an all or nothing approach. And I think that's maybe the heart of what we wanted to get at with this episode. And maybe like, we don't want to be the guys sitting at the campfire playing Kumbaya while we're smoking the joint, but like, let's just sit down and talk it out and figure out what we're doing rather than just shitting on what's there and saying it's never to get going to get any better. At the same time, we still have to be able to acknowledge that, the, that there are challenges, but we can do it in a constructive manner that we work to build things up. So if we're looking at things from the perspective and just like shitting on something and, and dumping negatives and saying, well, this is never going to work because it's legal or because it's corporate. Well, it's legal and it's corporate, but there are lots of parts in the legal space that aren't corporate and that have come from that space. And I, like, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, people like uh, Dunn Cannabis and Organic Craft. I'm really looking forward to try this shit from Whippletree and Travis Lane when that ever comes out. That Blue Lime Pie cultivar, man, that's one that I am just, just dying to try. So th- that stuff is there. And we've seen an uptick in the quality of the cannabis with these growers that are out there uh, in the market, man. There's so many things that are exciting and more to come. We can be happy that we've cleared some hurdles and still recognize that there are problems that we have that we can improve and work towards getting there. We don't have to accept the way things are, but we can also be happy that I can go to a store and buy some shit, or I don't have to worry about losing my job anymore. Right? Like there's, there's so much to this and so many ways that we can improve things. That's what I want to see that, that coming together of, everybody to improve the community and again uh, maybe i have that that too much of that attitude towards it and i really felt that when we were chatting with the boys from high on homegrown last night and uh i want to see more of that of that like that vibing in the community and figuring out like and talking about these ideas and how we can get better it's okay to have these criticisms of the legal cannabis market in Canada because there are valid criticisms. Lots like, of valid. Yeah, like a lot of a lot of these criticisms are that the quality of the product is shit. It's dry. It's old. It's been rushed to market. You know, it's moldy. Uh, Cured in three days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's expensive to boot. You know, there's valid criticisms here, but when you're bringing these criticisms forth try to do it constructively, 
come on guys like like there are ways to <laughs> to talk about this without just being like closing yourself off and just going no it's all shit yeah and and i and i get that maybe twitter isn't necessarily the best place to make yeah. that kind of assessment from my perspective because there's just an element of twitter where that exists right there's a yeah. that that shit shit heel kind of anonymous let's dump and and be shitty just because we can uh <sighs> I like the fact that we have legal cannabis. I like the fact that I can buy it from a store. I like that it's tested. I like that I can trace the lineage in most cases if I do a ton of fucking research and beg an LP for information. Um, I like that we have this. And I think that legal cannabis is good. It can be better. And we will make it better. And we can make it better together. It's just a question of that. Working rather than just kind of tossing out those that negativity right there's 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 more to the the pricing and i think as we go along we'll see pricing improve we've we've seen some developments it'll continue to drop uh, i hope we continue to see that on the medical side as well because i mean you know we've we've talked about this at ad nauseum on the show but uh patients are are the priority and should be i think first so yes. hopefully uh that's where the focus can be but there's there's a lot of room for improvement and I think there's some validity in that. And when we see products showing up on the internet with mold on it, right, that lends a little bit of credence to that. Uh, I don't know that I've ever personally experienced mold on a product. Um, in, in the legal market, I've definitely seen mold <laughs> prior to legalization. Um, but I haven't seen that. But the irradiated part, I'm glad you kind of mentioned that too, right? Because that's a massive complaint from some people. And to be honest with you, other than having the experience of consuming irradiated cannabis and not necessarily enjoying it in comparison to the stuff that I've been told is non-irradiated, I don't know a lot about the science behind it. But I think that irradiation as a topic, might there might be some room there for a whole episode, I think. Yeah, I would have to learn more about it because I don't actually Yeah, that's know one we'll need to research. <laughs> exactly. That's one we need to research and and maybe we can talk to somebody about that because it's not something that I I know much about, but um but I do know that a lot of the growers that I trust, admire, respect are completely against it. So, mm-hmm. um that gives me a, a kind of like a, a starting point to work from. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's, there's one other aspect. There's a couple aspects I would say that are, that, are, that would fit in this larger category of legal cannabis contrarians. Um, you know, the people that are, uh, that are anti cannabis just in general, and those are maybe just anti cannabis people, but the, the, you know, not in my backyard, how dare you put a, a dispensary next to my daughter's dance studio? Yeah. Not on my watch. <laughs> those guys. Yeah. Taekwondo Douglas. Yeah. Almost like him. Yeah. <laughs> That fucking disjointed show. Um, I think that's like another another subcategory, and maybe we can save that for uh, another episode. But I will say that there is another legal cannabis contrarian group, and you may or may not be with me on this one because I, I think you may be on this team, and you can maybe humor me on this. But I think that the grow your own crowd. Or grow it, just grow it, brah, is maybe, that crowd is maybe more what I mean. That crowd bears some responsibility in the um, legal cannabis contrarian space. Do you know what I mean? Like the people who are just like, well, why'd you buy weed? Just grow it, man. Yeah. And it's, it's not that simple, unfortunately, either, right? Then Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's really the heart of, 
this episode, like you've mentioned, is that neither of these arguments are really that simple because uh, like, sure, you can grow it. Like, yeah, if. no. And, and and I do have a lot of uh, I do have a, like a very similar opinion to that, uh, you know, but I still participate in the legal market. So I'm not 100 percent on there, but I do understand the importance of growing your own if you can, if you're able to do so. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I understand that it, it it's uh, more cost effective. You know, you get a better quality product. It's fun. You know, it's, it's actually a Great lot hobby. of fun to grow. Yeah. Um, but uh, unfortunately, some people don't have the the means or the the ability to grow on their own. And I think that's really the issue with that. And that's the issue that people have when when that kind of sentiment crops up on Twitter or, or wherever is is that uh, some people don't have the ability to grow. You know, there's lots of people who live in like very densely populated cities that are living in an apartment or a condo or something like that. And they can't uh, mitigate the smell enough. There are CO2. Like there, there's carbon filters out there that can do the job, but they're expensive as well. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's cost barriers and there's just, uh, accessibility barriers, you know, like there's, there's quite a few barriers to growing your own. Uh, for example, like just to touch on the cost, just to get my grow setup, just to get the light, the intake, the outtake fans, the actual tent itself to go and buy uh, cocoa and to buy soil, to buy pots, to buy nutrients, all of this stuff. Um, my very basic setup cost me almost close to a thousand dollars. So not everybody can do that. Not no. everybody can do that. And it's not that simple. Um, I may have just like just explained your whole point and I apologize if it wasn't really a discussion, but that's my thoughts on it. I am part of that group to a certain extent, but I know that it's not that simple. It is. And and you're, you're absolutely right. The, the crux of my argument is that it's never that simple. And I think the, the cost factor is a, is a big one, but I think for me, the bigger one would be some people's ability to tolerate risk. Like what you were saying with a densely populated area, like sure you can grow in a small space. Sure. You can get things if you can afford it, but there's an element of risk that's involved, right? If, if, if you have a family or something, are you really going to risk um, the potential of losing your home situation in a global pandemic when you could literally just go and buy it from a store? Absolutely. And that, yeah, that's not even something that I really considered, you know, um, that, that, yeah, if you, if you're renting or something like that, or if you live in a, some kind of like a strata situation that doesn't allow for growing, you can get a lot of shit for it still, even though it's legal. Yep, absolutely. And I think the other side to this too, is that it, and I think you kind of alluded to it maybe slightly, is that it's a bit ableist to just be like, Hey, you just grow it. Like exactly. we have people who are cannabis patients who rely on this just to be able to move or get out of bed. Can't expect these people to necessarily grow. And I know there's avenues that people can get others to grow for them. And if you can get that awesome, but, um, that requires you, infrastructure in itself. Again, the point is, is that it's not just that simple. You can't just mm-hmm. be like, just grow it bra because sure you can go at bra, but X, Y, Z factors make that not necessarily workable for that individual. So we can't be that simple. And I guess, I guess really, really the ultimate point of this conversation is that we just got to talk. Let's just talk about these things and ways that we can improve rather than just shitting on it. We don't have to just be automatically negative or automatically counter out. We don't have to hear the word cannabis or legal cannabis in Canada and suddenly turn the, you know, dusty mids searchlight bat signal on. Yeah, that does that does tend to happen sometimes. <laughs> and I mean, like, I, and I'm I'm fair. Like, I'm just as guilty as piling on sometimes too, because it's funny and you know it's it makes for good content on on the social media. But you try to do things in a in a in a way that's that's constructive, right? Like, I'm not going to feel bad for for dumping on shit from uh, 
canopy necessarily, but um, yeah, I think that there's room for conversation about this and we, we can't just be basic, myopic and simple in the way that we speak about this subject because it's too complex. Yes. Um, I would, I'd be interested to hear from people who have similar opinions to this, um, like on our Instagram account, on our Twitter account, if people have, uh, other, um, pieces to this argument that maybe we haven't touched on, um, you know, I'm, I'm not above uh, criticism or anything like that. I'm, I'm definitely willing to have this conversation and hear both sides of it. Um, I just, I really don't. I honestly, exactly. I, I would let's, love let's to keep, keep it going because I'll have points for those people as well that they may not have thought of. I'm sure they have information for me that I haven't thought of, you know. And uh, like you said, I think what we're really trying to say is let's talk about it. I, I, could, I couldn't agree more with that because there, we need to hear each other out uh, right now in this climate that we live in, this environment that we live in, the world we live in. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear each other out. Everybody's set in their ways. It seems like um, people like to draw lines that don't need to be drawn. And uh, I think that we we need to move away from that. We need to listen to each other. We're all people. We all have our own experiences that we're drawing these uh, opinions from, you know. Um, and uh, I don't think that we should be dismissive just outright all the time on on certain things. There's there's definitely more to a lot of these arguments, and uh, there's two sides to them, all of them. Yeah, let's let's listen and not just wait to speak. Exactly. Nope. So I think that's a good place to kind of roll into our cultivar of the week segment. I'm kind of stoked for this one because we're hitting up some local action again. Locals, yes. And from the legacy slash black market, like we were saying, these these people are pioneers. They've come come over to the legal market. And I must say they have brought quality products with them. Yeah, I, I, I got to agree with you. I'm I'm quite impressed with this one. I saw this. So we're talking about the Organicraft Cherry Punch. We picked it up on Shelter Market with the Boxing Day sales. And what intrigued me about this product was three and a half percent terps. Right. And when I when I saw that, I must say I was a little skeptical, but I have seen nothing from this weed that would make me question it now. It, <laughs> it, it's got a very beautiful aroma to it um it uh when when i purchased this i got seven grams of it but i got them in two three and a half gram jars because i wanted the pop the jar experience ver- uh-huh. uh, versus the open the bag experience um because i had previously had cherry punch from north 40 i had high expectations for this one i thought it was going to be in a very similar realm and it uh i mean spoiler alert it is it's <laughs> very similar to what gord had put out with his north 40 offering of this cherry punch um i popped a jar and it it was a room filler. It was one of those, you know. It it, it filled the room. It was very very cherry like. Um, I I wrote down. Um, it's almost as if it's like a cherry flavored um, dryer sheet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I th- I think that's like a that's a pretty uh, pretty accurate way. I actually still have some North Forty Cherry Punch hanging around. So I did a bit of a nose comparison between the two, and I felt like that. Um, cherry gasoline smell I get from the North 41 wasn't as strong here. I, this one, okay. like the, the nose on the fruits came out a lot stronger for okay. me versus that, that thicker smell. So I quite enjoyed this. It, it had a, like a bit of a, a sweet aroma too. And I've talked a little bit about on the show in the past that cherry cultivars and cherry punch cultivars haven't always kind of done it for me. Um, Gourds definitely did. Uh, and this one does too. 
I, I got a little nervous when I started to see some internet chatter from people getting this on it because it did come in a little bit dry. And, and to be fair, when it, when I got mine, it was a little bit dry as well, but it still popped out of the jar and it perked right up with a Boveda in no time at all. Yeah, I put, uh, I put a Boveda in my first jar just for like six or eight hours, really. And that was enough. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all I really needed. Um, I, I don't even nice think that after that. Yeah, exactly. I may not even do it to my second one just to see um, if there is a, a major difference in in the the sponginess and the the bud structure after. Um, I was really impressed with this as well. Um, for as far as like a category, what would you put this in? What would I put this in? Um, that's a really good one. I think it maybe straddles the mood elevation and super stoned for me. I like that. I had it in mood elevated. Um, sorry. I had it in mood elevation slash like happy fun time kind happy of fun spot. Time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I, for me, I think this is a great cultivar. Uh, you get, you get serviceably stoned with this. Yes. Like <laughs> <laughs> you, you do get damn stoned. And uh, I will, I, I wanted to, to provide this disclaimer for, for people with uh, lower tolerances or even new users. If you were to pick this up, start low, go slow, because uh, this might be anxiety inducing or something in in higher doses. It, it it very well could. It had the, it had the makeup for me for that, but I really enjoyed this as like a, uh, a mild social kind of strain. Um, I don't think that you're going to be doing any kind of complex gaming on it. So I don't know if this (laughs) is like a breakout the risk board game or, or something like that, but maybe like, you know, an enjoyable game of crib or Mario Kart or something like that, you know, um, that's kind of where I have this pegged. And those are things that I do quite regularly. This strain is right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, you're, you're right to note it as something to be wary of if you're newish, because it, it, it does lean that that potential for anxiety inducing and 23%. It's it's fairly high in, in THC. Uh we, I got this sort of towards the end of the week this week, so I only had the chance to run the coffee and cannabis test on it today since we're on a Saturday, and uh, oh boy, did that ever go really, really well. Uh, I just, I had it before the coffee, and then I had the coffee after, and the coffee just gave it a, an extra kick in the pants that just had me going and I ended up actually playing video games for a couple hours before my family got up this morning and it was a nice way to spend a quiet Saturday morning Uh, we've had offline conversations about how difficult it is to carve out time for yourself as a parent and that was a a rare moment for myself but having that first thing in the morning it really gave me an appreciation for the nose of it that I don't know that I got before because I just I just felt like I was getting something different fresh first thing in the morning for some reason if that makes any sense so I, I had that really strong fruit aroma that was popping out of it but it kind of tapered off into like a a sour cherry wine with a bit of spice in it it was really it was really interesting to me the the way that it the nose rode and what struck me when i was breaking it up for the bowl was that the buds were really dense so fucking dense right Right? like i got three chonky nugs and that was it that's all i got in my first jar too i'm excited to see what's in my second one (laughs) um I got three chunky nugs in this one as well. Really happy with this. Um, I kind of want to talk about the smoke. Uh, okay. What did you think about the vape on this one? Well, I, I actually haven't had the chance to smoke this one and um, before this episode, which I'm kind of disappointed by because that's one of my favorite things to do with the North 40 Cherry Punch is to have a joint of it. It's just so nice. So I've only had this in the vape, but I, I, I enjoyed this one in the vape. It was another one of those situations where it tastes exactly like it smells. Uh, I don't necessarily know that it hung out for an overly expensive non- amount of time. So you know, like three, four, five pulls, um, you're 
probably getting some flavor still off of that. Um, but I felt it was, it was pretty much like dialed in with the nose. Uh, how yeah. did you, how did you find this one smoke? Um, for the smoke, it smoked fantastically, man. I had a joint of it. I put a bunch of it through the bong here. <laughs> <laughs> I put a bunch of it through the bong and it was always beautiful, bright white ash. Um, I will say that the vape, I don't know if you experienced this, um, just due to the dryness a little bit, I, I did have a little bit of harshness. Like this did co- make me cough on like the, 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 the deeper I got into the session, I would have a little bit of a coughing fit, but I don't necessarily think that's going to be a problem for future batches. Um, I don't like if, if this is their first batch of this to be released out, like it's only going to go up are always dry, right? First yeah, batches exactly. Are You're working out the kinks. You're working out the kinks. Exactly. So I'm, I'm definitely giving them a pass on that. Um, this is, man, this was kind of like, it kind of hit all the notes except for the dryness. Yeah. I, I really, we were really stoked to try this. So like local to us, just, uh, was it like 40 minutes away in, in Vernon, BC with us here in Kamloops. So if you guys are checking out this episode, when things uh, kind of clean up a little bit, we'd love to come get a look at your facility. Um, but I, I'm just really, really happy that we got to try this one out. Um, the cherry punch there, we got it from uh, shelter market on the boxing day sale. So came at 20% off, which was a nice added bonus to trying this one out uh, the 23% THC is nice I mean it's it's quite strong so you'll have to judge your placement in the day with that uh, I think dominant terps on this one we're looking at myrcene caryophylline limonene osamine and piney yeah and like we alluded to earlier this was a 3.49% terpenes and if if you're not very terpene knowledgeable out there it's kind of like a newer concept putting the the percentages on the jar so that is really fucking high. <laughs> that is more than double what most rec places have for their terpene profiles. So mm-hmm. this is a, this was beautifully grown and I'm really excited for their future products. I know that they have some kind of cool, funky genetics that they're coming out with. Um, they've got lots of stuff that's sourced locally in BC here and from California. So I'm excited to see what they have come out on the market next. I will be buying this again. I don't know how often just because it is the, the craft price point on shelter market. So it's 40 bucks for an eighth, but, uh, I will be definitely checking this one out again. I would be happy to try out their other offerings as well. I think that they've started out on their journey on the right foot and I'm excited to see what they do in the future. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's definitely on my buy list. I'm, I'm a fan of the cherry punch cultivar when it's grown properly. Um, people just who have nailed it have, have uh, knocked my socks off with this. Really like this organic craft offering and we, we look forward to trying more in the future. So we'll be keeping an eye on uh, our neighborhood. Yes. Um, well, thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the Adult Cannabis Enthusiast Podcast. Um, I think there is still room for more discussion on mm-hmm. this topic that we had today. Um, so if, if anybody has any thoughts or anything like that, please DM us on Twitter or Instagram. We'd love to talk about it because, I mean, I'm sure there's still stuff we're not privy to with this. But uh, again, thank you guys so much for listening to us. I hope everybody's enjoying the, the new year. I know it's been a little tough in some areas of the world. Um, hopefully we're going to start working towards greener pastures here in the future but uh again thanks for sticking with us and hope to see you soon take care out there everybody cheers you guys we'll see you next week 